0: It is episode number 207 on your BGN Radio dials and wherever you are listening out there on SoundCloud or iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, We thank you for uh, listening each and every week. And, of course, if you haven't already, please rate, subscribe, or review wherever you are out there. Of course, our RSS feed is also up there somewhere on BGNRadio.com. But, yes, uh, the uh, reviews do go very long way. And I want to thank you once again for tuning in. It's going to be a, a solo show, is it? It's one thirty five live from the 94 WIP studios. We put the children to bed, and we're just going to try and figure this thing out together, you and I. Because I think what's going to happen throughout this week is it's going to divert into a bunch of Carson Wentz conversations. And, like, we have beat the wide receiver thing to death. Sure, we'll touch on that uh, a little bit, I'm sure, throughout the week. But, uh, you know, this, this game to me is astounding on, on just uh, so many levels. And I, there'll be some perspective at the end of this, but I just got to let it out for a little bit, as I normally like to do. It seems like when we're always doing solo shows, it's late and something bad happened, and here we are again. But I just got to say, the if if you are at any point saying well the expectations of this football team you know leading into this game and I guess the afterthought of this game is is what I'm trying to say if you're now saying well the expectations of this team wasn't supposed to be good so this was okay is complete bullshit. Now it is in if you're if you're going off the handle and saying like, whatever the Doug needs to be fired and Carson Wentz sucks and fire Jim Schwartz. I mean, that's a whole new level. Then it's a different topic. But just for now, if you're saying, like, well, they weren't supposed to be a good football team anyway, fuck that. Because this Eagles football team was just as desperate as the one they played. And yes, Aaron Rodgers, when he's backed into a corner, is amazing. And he was the best version of himself tonight. And that was on one gimpy leg. I thought the play calling from uh, Green Bay and Mike McCarthy after I've been ripping him for weeks is the, the entire city of Green Bay has been ripping him for weeks after this you know hurt mule comes into Lincoln Financial Field being 4 and 6 giving up massive amounts of points to everybody they've played so far comes in and looks spectacular spectacular and I'm it's it's one thing to question I don't know, the offense and, and the play calling, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But this defense was supposed to be the bread and butter no matter who was at quarterback. Carson Wentz, Sam Bradford, everybody had said that this team, this defense, will keep you competitive. Maybe you end up winning nine games, or maybe you end up winning seven and nine or being something like that. You'd be somewhere around there. And in a game where you're five and five, And your wild card hopes for the most part are on the line here. Your season is basically on the line. You come in and do that. Jim Schwartz has that and doesn't adjust until it's way too late and does that. That's a huge issue for me with the amount of money that it's invested on that side of the ball with what you've paid Fletcher Cox, with what you've paid Vinny Curry to be a dominant. Front four, a dominant defense that's played very well and has had stretches where it's been up and down, and so is Fletcher Cox, and so is Vinny Curry, so are these other guys. It's in stretches, but it's never dominant. And the only places where we saw where it was really dominant was at Lincoln Financial Field, where maybe you haven't faced a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, but you sure as hell have faced... Offenses that were a lot stronger in this. That's no disrespect to Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson's a fantastic wide receiver. But Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams, who has worked himself into, you know, was left for dead last year and has really had a a, a great season. And he really is developed into a number two. But you can't tell me that those two guys are the best thing that they've seen all year, especially in the secondary. And what they were able to do was just fire out passes in less than a second, and Aaron Rodgers has the ability to just to go, and now I'm going to test you deep. And he did. And that's what and that's what burned <laughs> the entire secondary there. And you're just shaking your head like, oh, my God, they can't get to him. They're not adjusting to what they're doing, and they're just – n- nothing's changing. So we we worked ourselves up into this thing where – and, yeah, you can say, hey, it's just one year. It's just been an off season. There's so many holes on this thing and blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. That was, the, that was the talk last year with Chip Kelly, and it was Billy Davis's fault, and this team just really needs to hit a stride with a different coach. So now they're in a perfect 4-3 scheme, which everyone sold themselves into, even though we warned you that this scheme doesn't necessarily change the result of what's going to happen, and now you see that sometimes. Now you see games like this where you're just like, oh, my God, undisciplined and and not getting the quarterback. And all due respect to all these guys because they play day in and day out. I have no idea what they go through each and every day. But when you're paid like Fletcher Cox is, you have to be more consistent than what you have been this year. You you should be able to have Vinnie Curry on the field more than Connor Barron, and we're still there at this point. Even BG didn't show up tonight. Brandon Graham made some big mental errors that kept those drives sustaining. And that's the bigger issue. It's not that they had a million snaps in this game. It's just that they kept going. They kept eight drives almost. Seven or eight drives, 27 points. And on each drive, they averaged 67 yards. 67! On each time they had the football. That's on the defense. And that's where this game lies, is it's on the defense. Because that's the thing that is supposed to be consistent, dominant, near perfect, whatever you want to call it. And it wasn't even close to being that tonight. And I know not everybody's going to agree with that. In fact, you know, Noah Becker who tweets to me, it was, you know, I, I completely disagree with him. But I like his perspective on things. And he tells me they gave up 27 points to a Hall of Fame caliber Quarterback playing at his best version of himself. Being bothered by that seems short-sighted because I basically rambled that out into a couple of tweets tonight. But I, I don't know how you can just look at that and just go, oh, yeah, well, it was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, well, you just got to throw your hands up in the air. This team wanted it; be- was begging to get its ass kicked tonight. There's no way that Green Bay should have walked in there and just did what it did. It didn't set any tone. That's what I'm saying. It was just, it was flat. They came out completely flat, and they look bewildered most of the time. Like, oh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And, like, you know, McKelvin on those guys, the the corners, it really just showed up to be pretty poor tonight, with the exception of Jalen Mills, who I get on the case of, you know, wagging the finger and doing all that, but he actually had a really good game tonight. And a couple of those things where it ended up being uh, caught passes by whoever he was getting thrown at or thrown to. It, you know, just something that you just got to go, well, th- th- that, there's that. I <laughs> think the one, the Jordy Nelson thing kind of popped up in the air. And, you know, how are you supposed to defend that? He did everything right. He popped the ball out and it still ended up in his hands. The same thing with almost having that uh, that fumble. Or that was the challenge, actually. The ridiculous second down and eight challenge when he actually didn't catch that ball. Their tight end, green base tight end. I can't remember because I'm too lazy to go look it up. But you had, you had that situation, which, again, and then I don't understand, and that did it, really, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in the long run. That challenge is, is dumb, and you shouldn't have done it. It didn't affect anything moving forward either, you know, it, how, how everything kind of played out. I don't know when you were going to save a, a timeout or another challenge, or maybe you wanted to challenge another kickoff, <laughs> which I also thought was, was kind of dumb, you know, that early in the game, are you really going to risk – a challenge or a timeout or whatever that's going to go through there and just for 25 yards, you know, which is unfortunate because on that drive, you even saw Carson Wentz act very calm, cool, and collected through there. You know, the the, uh, the, the first one that got you to the two-yard line and then just, you just had enough confidence to sling it in there and, and throw it on the back shoulder of Jordan Matthews to go up and get it. And then pretty much after that, It was the Darren Sproles show because there's nothing left. There is nothing left, and there are times in there during those whole sequences where Wendell Smallwood was running the ball really effectively and really well, and then that stopped. So there is a little bit of Doug blame in there too, but at the same time, when you're looking at this offense, I don't know what to tell you. Nelson Aguilar not active tonight. Tons of discussion on that forever. And I don't really care anymore. I don't, you just look at the wide receivers. We know they're not good. We know they're not good. And there were times tonight where DGB actually looked like he was competent. And so did a lot of the other guys in there, too. Nelson Aguilar not being in there actually had a little bit of pep in the step of a lot of these guys for the first couple of drives, and then it just kind of disappeared. It just it, it was what it was. Green Bay just kept shoving it down their throats. There was really no time to, you know, react to anything else. And by the time you look up, and it's the third quarter, and it's the fourth quarter, here's Darren Sproles on a checkdown. Here's Darren Sproles on a screen. And uh, you know, even towards garbage time, where Carson Wentz is slinging it out there to DGB, yeah, you know, why not? <coughs> and there's obviously a couple of throws that Carson Wentz wanted back in this one. And then one to the the Bryce Treggs, where it was, uh, you know, way behind him. Way behind him on that can't do those things. The interception, which got out of his hands and just threw to Haha Clinton Dix, is not a good throw. And he had he didn't have a he didn't have a spectacular night. But at the same time, I mean, I, I, people really, really badly just want to put Carson Wentz in some sort of box already. Eleven games into this thing, and and call it what he is. Listen, I just want to make this as clear as possible. Carson Wentz is a superstar-ish guy that is on the rise and just keep thinking that way because people are going to try and talk you out of that. And we've been through this before with a lot of Draft Twitter, with a lot of Scott Kazmaier, with a lot of all that other stuff where it's just constantly, how can I make sure that this kid looks like shit and to make you the fan who roots for Carson Wentz feel like shit? And I'm not going to have that. I'm just not going to do it because the eye test tells you Differently here. There is nothing to help Carson Wentz on this football team, and it's not a Dak Prescott thing. It's not anything else. It's just you have to evaluate guys based on what they are actually doing, and not versus anybody else. What do you get out of uh, getting your head kicked in out of being like, yeah, Dak Prescott is uh, is has performed way better than Carson Wentz? You want to think that way? That's fine. I'm not going to try and stop you from that anymore. I'm just tired of having the argument. Dak Prescott has played phenomenal this season. I'd like to see what he does the next season, and if he continues to do what he does, then yes. Then then maybe that you have that conversation. If Carson Wentz continues to do the things that he has to do and there's no help around him, maybe you have that discussion. It's kind of in the same regards of Russell Wilson versus Andrew Luck. It's basically that on a on a lesser scale of what's going on here. You look at the Colts. You look at Andrew Luck. You're going to immediately think, "Well, Russell Wilson's a much better quarterback overall," and and there's no doubt about it. But if they were to switch places, I would really like to know if that holds up and that is true. And that's what's happening throughout here. But I'm tired of getting into that conversation as well. I, you know, I, if you are looking for Carson Wentz to be absolutely perfect. Man, you know, you have to stop comparing them to whatever Hall of Famers or, or anybody else. Because if you still look at the way he manages the game, the way he produces, the way he throws the football, there is a ton of stuff there. And it, and it and again, I said it as soon as the Cleveland game happened, he's not a bust. It's just a matter of now where he takes his game, where he's learning all this stuff from, and let's see him with some with one wide receiver, with one running back. Let's see him with Nick Chubb. Let's see him with Mike Williams. Let's see him with something before we do that. W- with, a, with an offensive line, by the way, and this was, I can't believe I haven't even gotten into this thing yet, but Brandon Brooks, who I hope is doing well tonight, suddenly an hour and a half before the game is starting, is a, is a scratch because he's been in the hospital, uh, and we didn't get any clarification of why he was in there. But they were saying illness related things, and and hopefully, you know, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll hear something, and it'll be updated through there. But that's huge—an hour and a half before the game. I would think that they obviously knew that going in if he's been sick all day and whatever. So, but but to have that the day of the game, and now you are sending in Isaac Salemalu, who didn't stay in the game, if I remember correctly, which is another head-scratcher. It's your third-round pick. It's not looking so great thus far. But, uh, again, a tough spot to be just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're starting now. Uh, and, you know, your offensive line just keeps getting depleted and depleted. Big V's gone. And, you know, <laughs> and the greatest part about the offensive line tonight was Alan Barber. Who just lit up Clay Matthews on that first? And it was it was for all, 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 basically, not, I mean, well, not nothing. It was a first down on a reverse to Bryce Treggs, but he nailed Clay Matthews and made him go out of the game, you know, for a couple of plays, which was great to see. But outside of that, Carson Wentz was running for his life. And I heard John Gruden at one point say, well, you know, at least this offensive line is really holding up together and doing great things for Carson Wentz. was like, Are you fucking kidding me? He's running for his life. He's running for his life every play, and I think he had something like thirty three, thirty three yards, thirty three yards on the ground with the uh, rumbling, stumbling, and all that. So it's it's just it's really hard to, and you can see it with Doug Peterson too. You really, really can, because people ask him questions on how do you game plan further, or like what can you do differently, and it comes to the point where he's just like he really just wants to say. Guys, I got no fucking clue what to do anymore. I have no idea how to come out here with four active wide receivers and just go from there. I mean, like once Jordan Matthews goes down, like holy shit, what are you supposed to do? You just sit there and be like, well, and that's why you saw the Sproles. That's why you saw all the different like checkdowns and and everything else that was going on there. Because you just you just shake your head. You're like, I have no idea. What to do next, and if it does become like, it, here's the thing that drives me nuts, though, towards the end, right? Even if you're semi out of the game, give it last seven minutes, last eight minutes. If you're going to activate Paul Turner, then let's see him. Two snaps, three snaps, whatever. Don't don't give him zero plays on the field, and don't keep making Trey Burton split out wide. I couldn't believe my eyes. Sometimes I was like, "Wow, is he in the slot?" No, Trey Burton's out wide. That's what it's down to, you know. <laughs> so, and you've got, and again, it kills me every single time. And see, I, I started feeling the positive vibes about Zach Ertz, but good lord, man, break a tackle! You know, in the in these certain situations, break a tackle. Do something. Do something where you're where it's just. You can you can bring out and go on and do all that other stuff. And Kyle Newbeck is is uh just uh you know cutting up a whole bunch of audio for me right now over at Liberty Ballers. What's up? As uh he's leaving the building finally here. But uh yeah, I mean like <laughs> I can't I cannot believe that that's what your offense is like, and then you have the goal. A lot of these people have the goal to say, yeah, this is on Carson Wentz. He needs help. Rookie quarterbacks need help. You know, if you think back to Mariota's rookie year, and I don't even know how he's doing it now with the offense he has, I mean, he needed help in there somehow. And then he got help with DeMarco Murray a little bit, and it takes the pressure off. Jameis Winston had Mike Evans, and at times looked like absolute dog shit last year, and at times has looked like dog shit this year. And now he's got a defense that's performing for him. And that's what's happening in Dallas right now, too. You've got a stud rookie running back with an amazing offensive line and a defense that is playing its ass off. It is somehow being outcoached by its talent. Who you keep waiting for it to fall off, and it's just not there. So when you're making comparisons between all these different quarterbacks and who you would have going through here, it's so hard to compare Carson Wentz with the rest of the guys and put them at a different level. And I know it's a broken record thing that we've we've talked about, and and really, as Philly fans, we kind of sit in here and try and defend this stuff over and over and over again. And we're just running our heads into a brick wall because people have their minds made up on this stuff. But it's true, man. I mean, you cannot. And I'm not taking away; you should be able to criticize Carson Wentz. Those throws tonight weren't great. The ones we talked, about ones I talked about earlier. The interception was horrible. The Bryce Treg throw was not good. And there were some times where it looked, you know, non, non-tight spirals and wobbly balls and, and wobbly balls, just like Grandpa liked. Uh, but you know, it, you gotta give him, gotta give him a little time with that stuff. Even if that was, if he had a superstar stud wide receiver, maybe he grabs that Bryce Triggs ball, you know, something to help him out on those mistakes that he has, which a lot of the other guys do have that going on. Good lord, what would Mike Evans look like here? Holy hell. You know, you saw that guy go up against Richard Sherman last week. Or this week, excuse me. Two touchdowns right over his head. They just threw it, they just threw it to him. They're like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. I'm just gonna throw this thing. There's nothing even close to that being here. And even when you're looking at Green Bay and Devontae Adams, man oh man, would you take that here? Are you kidding me? In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat you would take that here. Back to the defense for a second, because this is, speaking to Devontae Adams, I have no idea how Aaron Rodgers threw that second touchdown pass to that guy with Nolan Carroll just, I mean, do if he waved his arms or farted or did something to tr- distract that ball from being there, that is not a touchdown. It's possibly a turnover. Like, I have no idea. I've watched that play 70 times now, at least. And I have no idea how that ball drops into the pocket of Devontae Adams' tum-tum. Baffles me. Baffles me that that was a touchdown. But that's how the night went. You know, and sure, there were some bad calls by the refs. What else is new? water's wet? That's going to happen in every single football game. The Eagles have been nowhere close to be, be able to play above that. And that's on some of the Eagles, too. And that's where, I, uh, to get back to my original point about, you know, the, the bitching about, oh, this defense is going to be great or whatever, you heard players say that a lot last year, too. Oh, you know what? This offense, this isn't working out for me. This defense, you know, we're running, we're so freaking tired from last year. And now they get into the slowest offense ever. Jason Peters still goes offsides, leads the league in that. And that's been happening a lot. And finally, like the the whole back and forth and that that whole neutral zone rule really needs to be taken care of. I know that the Eagles took care of it a couple of times too uh, where, you know, you're jumping across the line. They don't give you any time to come back because, you know, if the offensive lineman moves, then the play is called dead. That's a ridiculous rule. The defensive lineman should be able to come back without the other guy reacting. And I know it's just, you know, I think Gruden had even mentioned something about that. That's just ridiculous. Aside from that. That there's got to be a point where you're just going to be like, again, it's on the players. It is on the players. We keep making excuses for a lot of things. And the thing that bugged me the most this year is that we blamed Bob Bicknell last year for all the wide receiver troubles. And now you're starting to hear that again with Greg Lewis. It's the players. It is the players that are doing that. Oh, it's not really Connor Barwin's fault. He's not really a defensive end. Yeah, sure, I can buy that. But when you're in a wide nine that's supposedly supposed to help you rush the quarterback, it really hasn't done that for a lot of the pass rushers that have been in here. The players hurt this football team. This is this is everything that those guys wanted that everybody was bitching about. And you're five and six. You're five and six. And I know it's tough. Look, you can't really do everything in one offseason. You can't expect this football team to be, you know, out there and ready to rock and roll. And and I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying when you're coming into this football game and you're the one that is supposed to be taking care of business, you're the thing that you can rely on each out, each week, and you put up a performance like you did. Again, eight drives for the for the Packers, 27 points, 67 yards a drive. <sighs> you know, I just I don't know what to tell you. And it's not okay. It's not okay. 27 to 13, this thing is. And you can always tell how bad the game goes because of all the postgame notes that come out. And in celebration of this, this is what, you know, some of the stuff that gets missed, unfortunately, because of this. Uh, Merrill Reese got into the Eagles Hall of Fame, which is much deserved. Merrill is the greatest guy ever, and I hope even when he can't really call football games anymore, I hope he's still calling him, because he's such a, a, a nice genuine person, and it was so awesome to see him and uh, the Axemen get involved tonight. Other post game notes, uh, John Dernboss didn't know it was his 160th consecutive uh, game with the Eagles, so He's just uh, three games away from Harold Carmichael at 162, so that's something you can celebrate. Connor Barwin has played 90 consecutive games, marking the third longest active streak by an NFL defensive end, trailing only Julius Peppers, who was a force to be reckoned with at 138, and uh, Cameron Jordan, who is at 91. Caleb Sturgis was successful on both field goal attempts, 48 and 50 yards tonight. Sturgis has now made a career high, four field goals from fifty plus yards in 2016, tying his old nemesis, Cody Parkey, for the most single uh season high in a fr- in franchise history. <laughs> this was my favorite step from tonight. DGB registered a career high six inter- or six receptions. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> for a season high, 82 yards, which is uh, the third highest total for his NFL career. Uh, so congratulations to DGB for getting off the schneid. Uh, favorite Carson Wentz PR stat, Carson Wentz completed uh, completed passes to eight different receivers tonight, including five with three-plus receptions and two with five-plus receptions. So good to Carson Wentz for spreading it out to the trash that was on the field this evening. Uh, Wentz also finished the game with a career-high 33 rushing yards which I had mentioned before uh, earlier 8.3 yards per attempt so that is uh, <laughs> oh and a uh, 17 yard so he actually had uh, a 17 yard scramble which is the longest of his NFL career tonight Darren Sproles got 5 passes of 48 yards uh, over his last 2 games Sproles has totaled 105 yards on 13 receptions averaging 8.1 per reception so again there is your offense again tonight. Oh, and sorry, two rookies made their NFL career starts. Isaac Salemalu and Wendell Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood, who I thought they were going to just absolutely keep King in on, too, just wasn't, wasn't there tonight. Wanted to see a little more of that, you know? In the end, I guess it doesn't matter because you're so far behind. You have to abandon the running game at some point, which then puts you in another bind because you don't have anybody to throw to and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's where we're at tonight, folks. And here's the perspective part about this. We talked about it a little bit already. The perspective part about on this is you really can't force everything and rip everything apart and make sure that you're a playoff team the next year. It's extremely hard to do that. Carson Wentz is the most important part of this franchise to hit. And despite what people will tell you, he has hit. He's hit really well. And I think he, it's it's a fantastic building block of what they have moving into next season. And it is a very important draft moving into next season. It's a lot of deficiencies here and there. And look, you're not going to be able to fix every hole on a football team. You're just not. You have to make it so those holes don't matter anymore. Carson Wentz can be that, but there are <laughs> there's too many of them, you know. And it's going to be a, a direction of, well, do you invest in more corners? Do you invest in wide receivers? Do you invest in offensive linemen? What should be your priority? And I think that Howie Roseman has made that decision pretty much already where he wants to come out here and build in the trenches. Just fine. I, I, I'm i fine with that I, I to a point. still think they need offensive linemen, but at this point, I would rather have Carson Wentz scrambling for his life on a few plays and having somebody consistent to throw to other than Jordan Matthews. There needs to be something in there. You know, it, it, whatever it is, invest heavily in it through the draft and free agency and get this guy something to hand off to and to throw to. I think that is more important than, than trying to find your next left tackle that can get in there and start tomorrow. You're going to have Lane Johnson come in here in the last couple of games. Probably not going to mean anything now. Maybe they can end up playing spoiler, but at least you get to see, all right, that's back. Was was the offensive line really that much damaged by Lane Johnson being there? I think we would all agree that, yes, that is definitely a big part of it. So if you're going to have Lane Johnson and maybe squeeze Jason Peters one more year, you know, I'd like to see what they do with that in a, in a better wide receiver. Jalen Mills again, game ball tonight. The finger wag and all, I, I like the confidence that that he keeps pushing out there. And if I got to deal with the finger wag, that's great. I really do think he can be that CB two, CB three here for a, a quite a long time. I hope that this continues and and keeps up here. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the rest of the corner situation. McKelvin can't really be a CB one, CB two guy. Anymore, I think Nolan Carroll might be able to do that, and you're still missing a CB one. But again, as long as you have Rodney McLeod, who was oh man, did he miss a walloping play on the screen? I forget who it was to. I think that was to Devontae Adams as well, where he was just running down and had this dude dead to rights and just whiffed out of a out of a simple simple juke. You know, it's just stuff like that. It just makes you go crazy. But overall, those two safeties have played really well. So. Finding finding two guys that are comparable on the outside they they still might have that it's just again the consistency thing there isn't isn't quite there yet Jordan Hicks again one of the only phenomenal plays that you saw tonight uh, absolute game ball to him for chasing down Aaron Rodgers that was really a nice play to see and that's the consistency you would expect out of him just kind of spying and doing all those things. Uh, the, the wet fart situation really just for me tonight comes from, I gotta I gotta give it to the offensive line, a little bit to Doug, you know some of the play calling again was was in there, but again it is so incredibly hard to find a, a way where it was just been like actually if you would have done this it would have changed the entire football game and he, you know the Eagles would have won if they would have just run forty times they would have definitely win that football game but even so you know the offensive line was still struggling against the run game and again this Green Bay defensive line isn't that great either you know you just kind of shake your head and you're just like man oh man when is it gonna come and in a big wet fart to the defensive line tonight you just didn't do what you were paid to do against that and you know we we're all big Jason Sprigg fans and he would he's been struggling for the last three or four weeks and really just the team as a whole. I just can't really single anybody out because they all played down to, I don't know what it was. They didn't play down to anything. They just came out flat. It just wasn't them. And maybe it's just time to wise up and just be like, you know what, okay, that was the game for everybody. It was holding on to hope, including myself. And I was telling you guys that, yes, this is this is still potentially a wild card team. And it's just not anymore. It can't even be a one and done in the playoffs. It's it, it, There's just too much. Too much to overcome, you know, on on both sides of the football. It just came out flat tonight. You have a right to be pissed about that. Don't let anybody tell you that, like, hey, man, you got to have some perspective on the season. Just, again, fuck that shit. They were supposed to come out there and win that football game, and they didn't. Be mad about it. (laughs) Have some perspective on it, but be mad about it. That's what's kind of ridiculous here. Well, again, uh, our big thanks to... Uh, our our main sponsor, Clippit, which has just been phenomenal all year long, and of course we got some good uh, clips from this game. I know a lot of the people are uh, kind of passing that around as well, especially with the the uh, Ellen Barber hits on, on Clay Matthews. But it is a fantastic app. You know, Vine is going down. Can't really make any more uh, new ones of those, and you know, th- you have live television in the palm of your hand. Thirty second high quality HD clips that you can make. And it's not just for sports either, it's for everything. Something interesting, I know I was like heavily into the David Blaine special a couple of weeks ago and there was just a lot of different weird shit that, you know, you just keep uh, <laughs> keep getting amazed by with that guy. You see something on the news, it's there. Your favorite television shows. I mean, the, the, the channels that just keep stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And more importantly, for all us big sports fans, they got CSN Philly on there now too, if you're in the Philadelphia area. So... The Joel Embiid Dunks, the Jaleel Okafor Nerland's arguments that you want to plaster all over your blog, they are right there for it. Go get it. Clip it to TV, at Clip it TV. Uh, and uh, it is in the App Store, along with being in Google Play as well. Also want to mention our brand-new sponsor to the podcast. He, we might as well call him the Podcast King, so you can hear him on a certain Sixers podcast with our big boss, Spike Asking, of course, Mike Levine. <clears throat> over at Liberty Ballers too, but L.L. Povorski, L.L. Povorski Jewelers out there, 707 Walnut, if you are wanting to get engaged, he is the man to talk to. Let me just tell you this. And it's it's coming down to, well, there'll, there'll be an announcement at some point along the lines here, but, you know, you go through all the different, when you're trying to, I don't know if anybody's been through this process before, when you're trying to find an engagement ring, It is incredibly hard to know what's good, what's bad, like what is going to, is this look like a, is it a fake, is it not a fake, are people going to notice these things, what makes a good diamond, how much should I be paying for, and there's a lot of that going on, you know, it's just, LL's been married for not only, well he's been doing this for a long time, he's been doing it for 28 years, but he's been married to his 5th grade sweetheart. So that's, you know, for 25 years. So you add all that up. He knows a thing or two about ha- handling the ladies. And w- what's great about him is he's very one-on-one. So if you are in, you know, in search of an engagement ring, it's so easy. Call him. You can tweet him. You can do whatever. LL will ask you some of the most important questions. And more importantly, he wants to listen to everything that you want to achieve in a ring. And I can tell you that from personal experience that just, just having, having the consultation – there will be there's a no obligation appointment when you meet this guy and he can just take you through all the different types of styles of diamonds, how they were set up, how are they going to, you know, look on uh, look on your special lady's finger. It's it's no pressure. There's no BS. And if you can, he will find you the right deal for your budget. Uh, the, the great looks, the great everything. Really. L.L. Provorski, Go check him out. Uh, you can check him out at, uh, or just email, sorry, Lee at L.L. Pavorski, uh, at L.L. pavorsky on Twitter. That's P-A-V-O-R-S-K-O-Y, or just simply call him, 215-627-2252, uh, 707 Walnut Street in Center City. And we're going to join the festivities on this weekend, on the 3rd, we'll be there early if you want to go and uh, check out uh, some of the selections that he has, he has an annual holiday party. It goes from five to nine. He's going to give away. I think there's a raffle for like, I don't know, a really nice piece of jewelry, <laughs> like five to eight thousand dollars. So it's not just engagement rings everywhere either. It's it's you know Valentine's Day is coming up. If you want to plan on those things, come hang out. Check it. I know James and I will be there, uh, and then we'll have a BGN Radio at uh, seven thirty. On uh, Saturday the 3rd. So come hang out and, uh, you know, text us, uh, message us, Twitter us if you are planning to come out because we'll let him know. Uh, so that's going to do it for BGN Radio episode number 207. There is supposedly a remote going on tomorrow, but we don't know where we're going to be yet. If there is one, we will definitely let you know where we're going to be. And, of course, we'll have another show after that. For myself, uh, John Barchard. I want to thank everybody for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and com.